Today I'm going to read a number of selected passages from uh, the Gospel of John and then uh, John's first letter. So let me encourage you to just let these, these words just wash over you today. They are uh, very powerful. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my, my disciples, if you love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. God, we pray that you would take these words and the meditations of my heart and speak to us a very clear word about what you call us to as your followers. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Powerful words from the Gospel of John in John's first letter, and they really piggyback on what we talked about last week. Remember last week we explored chapter 15, that uh, chapter right in the middle of what we call the final discourse, those final words to, that Jesus had for his disciples. And remember I said he chose his words carefully in these chapters. He wanted to convey, to communicate to the disciples and to us what's really, really important. And last week we saw that Jesus made it very clear that he wants us to abide in his love. And remember that word abide can mean dwell or remain, to make our home in his love. Jesus wants us to know that we are loved. He wants us to experience that love to the depths of our soul. And now he adds something to it, something 
just as important. He says, take that love which fills you now and love one another. Love one another just as I have loved you. And as you do that, as you love one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. You know, as we go through this time of transition in our church and we consider uh, what God may be calling us to in terms of ministries and programs in the next chapter, what's even more important is what is God calling us to be as a church? What are those things which will characterize us as a church? Very important to listen to these words. Because you know what? A, a church can have all kinds of exciting programs for people of every age, children, kids, youth, adults, empty nesters, senior citizens, all through this, the stages of life. A church can have all those things. A church can have great worship services that are, are as well-timed and as beautiful as any Broadway show. A church can have fabulous music ministry. It can have inspiring preaching. It can have a beautiful building located right in the heart of town. A church can have great theology. They can be, the people in the church can be theologically astute. It can even be known for spiritual wonders, for people being healed and cured of addiction. It can be growing like crazy, adding hundreds, if not thousands of people every year to its membership. It can even have extensive ministries to the poor and the disadvantaged, the lost, the least, the last, and the left out. A church can have all these things. And yet, without one thing in particular, it has missed the whole point. You know what I'm getting at, don't you? Without love, a church can have all these things. And yet it is nothing. Paul got at this idea in his great chapter on love in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this oh, much-loved passage of which I am sure we are all familiar. Remember how he opens that chapter? He says this, he says, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels, but have not love, I am, I am nothing but a, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, even if I have enough faith that I can say to a mountain, move from here to there, and it does it, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my all my possessions, all that I own, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast as a martyr, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Without love, it's clear. You are nothing. Without love, I am nothing. Without love, a church is nothing. Pretty powerful words, wouldn't you say, about the centrality of love in the Christian faith? And of course, Paul wasn't the only one who thought love was important. As we saw in our scriptures today, Jesus thought it was pretty key as well. 
Remember, Jesus said to his disciples right before his arrest and death, he said these, these words. He says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so also you should love one another. And by this, everyone will know. This is really interesting. By this, how you love one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then John, in his letter, writes some very strong words about love. He writes, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. In other words, so clear, isn't it? The mark of the Christian, the mark of the church, is love. Jesus said, this is one thing that will distinguish you as my disciples. Love. You know, when someone visits a church, you know what is really compelling for them to come back? People truly loving each other. In a a world of imitations, in a world that talks a lot about love, real love between people draws a crowd. It's irresistible. It's undeniable. It really stands out. I can tell you this from my experience. I think I've shared before, I didn't grow up in church. I had been in a church maybe two or three times before I started going to a church as a seventh grader. My brother started going, my older brother. He invited my sister, who invited me, and we all started going with his family uh, in our town who would drive us in their station wagon. The three of us and their five kids and the two parents One of those old, huge station wagons with wood siding. I remember sitting in the way back, looking out the back window. But we would go. Brand new experience for me. And, you know, it was a great church. Really nationally renowned preaching. Great music. But you know what really caught my my attention and compelled me to go back and back and back? Not the messages so much. And as a preacher, that's pretty hard to say, although they were very good. But you know, I don't remember a single one. But I do remember this. I remember the love that that the people had for each other, that they shared with each other. I had never seen anything like it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to keep going to this church until I find out what this love is, what this life is that these people share with each other is very compelling. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it, that the mark of the Christian, the mark of the church is love? Because the church was birthed out of an act of love. The church erupted out of an act of love. The death of Jesus Christ was an act of love It revealed the heart of God, what true love really is all about. The scripture from 1 John tells us so. It says God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was an act of love. It revealed 
the heart of God. And, and isn't it ironic that the most terrible method of execution known in the Roman Empire has become this great symbol of what love is really all about? It reveals to us what true love actually is. And here is the point I really want to get to this morning. If for some reason you have kind of wandered uh, from this message so far, come back right now because here, here's what I want you to hear. The essence of love is sacrifice. The essence of love, at least the love that Jesus is talking about in these passages and John is talking about in these passages, is sacrifice. We don't hear that very much today. You know, we talk a lot about love. I mean, just Google books on love. You'll see so many books. Go to a bookstore and look at the shelves, and you can see many books about love. There are lots of magazine articles about love, lots of songs about love. We're kind of a, obsessed with love. But really, not a whole lot of them talk about this kind of love, this new love, this new commandment that Jesus is giving us here, you'd be hard-pressed to find in all those books and all those articles many words about sacrifice, about denying your own needs for the needs of others. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, really, there are two kinds of love. There is need love and gift love. Need love drives us to satisfy our own desires and needs, and gift love moves us to satisfy, satisfy the needs of others. It's a servant type of love. Our society is really obsessed about need love. But the love that is mentioned in these passages and the love that Christ calls us to give in these passages is so clearly gift love. Giving ourselves away to meet the needs of others. You know, love, of course, is a very complex Subject, I took a whole semester class on love in seminary, the concept of love. Jesus, or the passage here, talks about a new commandment, a new kind of love. It's interesting, you know, you probably know this, but in Greek, there are four words for love. There's philia, love between friends. There's uh, storga, which is love between family members. And there's eros, uh, erotic or sexual Love, this love that uh, attracts us to another person. And so when the New Testament writers, when they got to th this type of love that Jesus is talking about here, they had to find a new word because none of those words really satisfied the definition of what Jesus was talking about. So they took this little-known Greek word at the time from ancient Greek, agape, or agape as we often say, and they begin to use that to describe, to define the kind of self-giving love that Jesus is talking about here, this unconditional love that loves uh, regardless of the beauty of the object. It's a love that, that just gives, self-giving, unconditional. It's love of another kind. And this love has to do with self-giving, self-denying. It's about sacrifice and it's action. It's decision love. It's about doing something. It's about putting the needs of another person ahead of your own. 
And in those verses, just before Christ commands us to love one another, you know what? He's a great teacher, right? He gives us a very visual sign of what this love looks like. He wanted them to remember, what is this love that I'm talking about? So he gave them this very visual, very tangible expression of this love. In effect, he was saying, you know, when you guys think back to this night and you wonder about what love means, just remember this. And then he fell to his knees and he got a basin and a towel and he took on the, the, the role of a slave and he washed the disciples' feet. And then he said, this is the new language of love. A new command I give you, uh, love one another as I have just loved you. Now go and love one another. Man, there's no greater love than this, that one lays down one's life for a friend, sacrifice. You know what Christ is saying here? He's saying, you know, love is not so much a feeling or something you just talk about or express verbally. Love is a verb. It's actually something that you do. It's, it's action. It's a decision. Here's a great definition of this love. Love is an action of the will that seeks the good, the best, of another person. You know, this is actually makes sense that Jesus is talking about this kind of love when he tells us to love one another. Because, you know what? This says is we can actually love people that maybe we don't like very much. <laughs> it would be impossible for Jesus to say, like one another, like everyone, have warm feelings for one another. It just doesn't happen. But this type of will where we decide to love, to put the needs of another person ahead of our own, we, we can do that with everyone. I remember when I first started going to church and I heard these sermons, I, I, I often felt guilty because there were people in the church I really didn't like very much or didn't have warm feelings toward, for sure. And yet Christ said, love, well, this is what he's talking about. This decision love. And the other good news in this passage is when he tells us to do this, it's not a love we manufacture on our own. It's a love that has been given to us. Love one another as I have loved you. We are loved first. And we take that love that Christ gives us and we love others. You know, Juan Carlos Ortiz, Ortiz was a pastor of a large congregation in Argentina for many years. And one day he got up to preach. He was getting ready to preach. He had spent hours and hours on the sermon, as he always did, meticulously writing it and putting it together in a way that made sense, using illustrations to reinforce the theme, all those other things that a great preacher does. And as he was sitting in his chair, and as the, the final song right before the sermon be, began to draw to a close, Juan Carlos Ortiz uh, felt God was nudging him. And coming from a Pentecostal background, he felt like God could speak to him. So he listened and he said, the Lord said to, uh, to Juan Carlos Ortiz, he said, Juan, he said, yes, Lord. He said, how many sermons have you preached to this congregation on loving one another? He heard this word from the Lord, as they say in Pentecostal. 
uh, churches. He said, I don't know, Lord, maybe a, maybe a dozen or more. He said, Juan, how many, how many other sermons have you preached where you mentioned this idea of loving one another? He said, I don't know, Lord, another, another dozen, maybe more. And the Lord said, have they done any good? And that conversation ended just as he stepped into the pulpit and he looked out at this big auditorium with, you know, thousands of people. He said, man, Lord's right. I've, I've preached dozens of sermons on this. And yet these people really don't love one another. They don't know each other. They leave as soon as the service is over. They don't know one another. They don't really... They're not really friends. They're not listening to these words. So he stood there for a minute in the pulpit, just kind of silent, looking out at all these faces. And finally he said, love one another. And then he sat down. And there was this uncomfortable silence, you can imagine. And for what seemed like eternity, but was really probably only about five minutes, there was silence in the church as he sat in his chair. Then after about five minutes, he got back up again. He looked out at the congregation. He said, love one another. And then he sat down. Another kind of awkward silence and You could hear people kind of repositioning themselves in the pews, kind of this little murmuring, talking among the different people in the congregation. No one knew what to do. And then he waited, and again, third time, went into the pulpit and said, love one another, and then sat down. Now, this, this is 15 minutes. There was a stirring and people talking and wondering what in the world is going on. I mean, they were used to hour-long sermons, and here it was, you know, three words, three times. And finally, uh, an elder stood up, and he said, Pastor Juan, I think I know what you're getting at. And he turned around to people in a pew behind him, and he said, I think we have to love one another, and I have to love you, and I don't even know you. You sat behind me all these years, and I don't even know you. So he began to get to know these people behind him and and other people began to talk to one another, get to know each other. They began to pray for each other. Phone numbers were exchanged. Dinner invitations were extended. Arrangements were made for financial assistance. Uh, Someone who was homeless actually was offered an apartment to live in and someone who was unemployed actually got a job. Action, not just words. And they loved one another. Most powerful sermon Juan Carlos Ortiz ever gave. Love one another. Not just in words, but by actions and deeds. Jesus says to us, love one another as I have loved you And by this, they will know that you are my disciples. Let's pray together. 
God, we thank you, first of all, that you have first loved us. And when we consider the sacrifices, we move toward uh, Good Friday and Easter and Holy Week and all the rest. We, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. We thank you for this very concrete example of what it means to love as you have loved us. Lord, thanks for this love that changes our our lives and gives us hope and purpose, how it helps us in our relationships, in our personal growth, in all areas of our lives. Lord, we pray that we would be a church that if it is not known for anything else, that it would be a place that is known as a place of love where people truly and deeply and sacrificially love one another. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.